Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth. I might have to start again. <laughs> <laughs> the bag just fell off the chair. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I've got this amateur, I promise. <laughs> You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I am joined this week by Kara Mackay, who is the Managing Director of Gillies and Mackay, who apparently make the best sheds in the world. Um, so we might get into that a little bit um, later on. But firstly, Kara, thank you for coming on the show. No problem at all, Russ. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and as I say, you're, you're the Managing Director of um, the Family Business. Um, yes, Presumably you weren't always. Um, so, so could you tell us a little bit about um, your story and, and how you got to where you are? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was about 14, I used to help out in the workshop uh, part-time. I don't think there's ever been a time where I haven't been uh, somewhat involved in the business uh, in some capacity uh, mm-hmm. from a very young age. We used to get paid um, one pence per plank of wood for restacking piles of wood. <laughs> So, um, so it goes back a long way. But yeah, I, I originally started in the workshop. I had um, started a college uh, HNC in business management. I wasn't very good at school, so I dropped out at 16 and went to college. And uh, I was working in the workshop at the same time, I was doing the wood cutting, the labouring um, and the on-site assembling. Uh-huh. So uh, fairly hands-on. And I did that for a few years until the lady that was in the office uh, went on maternity leave for the last time. So she'd, that was her third child, so she wasn't coming back. Uh-huh. And obviously they needed somebody else to go into the office. Uh, being the only one that uh, could spell, I was the one that went <laughs> in the office. <laughs> so uh, a bit more, a bit more than that, to be fair. But I had finished my HNC and I was due to start my HND, um, and I decided not to, and decided to do the office full time instead. Uh-huh. So I always knew that there was something special about Gillis Mackay, um, mainly because obviously it was like the catalyst to the superhero that is my dad. But uh-huh. uh, also um, I knew that we were different and it was a great place to be. But it wasn't until I was in the office that I started to realise the, the, the actual potential of the business um, as, uh, as, a, as a viable um, life cycle for, uh-huh. for us as a family. So, yeah, so that's how I got into the office. Um, and then I got married uh, young and had a baby and then I went to university and got a degree in business management, uh-huh. um, uh, an honours, honours degree at Robert Gordon University in Aberdeen. And I did that uh, through distance learning whilst raising two children and running the business. So it was wow. probably one of the toughest times of my life. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But it, it shows your dedication to, to the business, doesn't it? That, that exactly. You're yeah. willing to put yourself through that. Well, that was it. It was a, it was a, it was a point to be pro, uh, proven. I had to do it for myself in order to believe that I could be capable of uh, becoming 
a, um, a successful businesswoman. Uh-huh. So that was that was part of my journey that I had I had to achieve. Um, I needed to do it for myself. I needed to prove to myself that um, I could be academic in mm-hmm. a way that um, I would be I, I would achieve it myself rather than the uh, disheartening so-called support that I had throughout school and my dyslexia. So, mm. And um, do you think any of that was grounded in the fact that it was a family business as well and, and that you, you probably could have come into the family business and, and worked uh, in whatever um, sort of role that you wanted? Mm-hmm. But, but because it's a family business, you didn't want to feel as if you were just there because of the, the family link? Yeah, there is only there is only uh, one reason that I was going to stay, and it's if I could be the boss. Um, uh-huh. So I I didn't anticipate to be making sheds uh, all my life. Right. Um, I'd seen Gillis Mackay as a sort of stepping stone uh, into my own career somewhere else, working for a large corporation, probably as as most people do when they go to a business degree, they expect to be you know um, their ambitions are to go and work for Google or Apple or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, it was different uh, when I started to do the degree. I started to realise that um, I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to be the, the boss of Gilson Mackay. So okay. in order to do that, I had to go and get my degree. And yeah, it does matter that it, that it was a family business because I wanted to do it for my dad and Grant, who had uh, always um, supported me and believed in me in, in any stage of, of my adolescence. I was a bit of a wild child. So... Uh-huh. Um, they must have been mad to think of putting me in the office at 16. I have no idea. Like, honestly, I have no idea. But they obviously seen something in me that I wasn't aware of at that time. Mm-hmm. And to, to just um, sort of rewind to, to the start of the business, it was founded by um, your dad and it's quite your uncle. Yes, that's right. So yeah. uh, John Mackay and Grant Gillis. Um, so they're, they're my dad and my uncle. And uh, they started back in 1989. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the business is obviously um, doing um, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, the, the, they make the best sheds in, in the world. Um, and the, uh, at what stage did you think uh, I will be the managing director of this business or the boss? Was it f- from that day when you, you went into the office? Yeah, um, I mean, it wasn't iconic in, uh, in, a, in a way where I stepped out of the workshop, strolled across into the office and then decided that was it. Yeah, uh, It was a progression of uh, things that had happened when uh, I'm dealing with customers, with the staff, um, with Dad and Grant, and the, the, just seeing the true potential in what we had there. Uh, Dad and Grant started this business as a means uh, to make a living, and I saw so much more just purely because the, the product itself is a, rep, a representation of both Dad and Grant. Mm-hmm. So, um, are, they, when I say that they are the best sheds in the world, we, we decided, uh, you know, this, this isn't just a tagline. Mm. Myself, Dad and Grant uh, decided when I became the business manager that uh, that's what we were going to do. We were having problems with uh, some inferior materials and things like that, and we were looking at cost and the complications of, of, uh, of raising prices and things. And I said, you know, well, you can either do one or the other. And if you, uh, you can either uh, make cheap sheds and constantly battle uh, with the problems, or we can just make the best sheds in the world, and that's it. And there's nothing mm-hmm. else to it. And that's yeah. what we decided. So um, it's a true representation of both them and now myself, obviously. But um, originally it started, I knew... Um, it doesn't matter what the product is because that's never what you're selling. It's it's yourself that you sell. Mm-hmm. And Dad and Grant 
themselves are extraordinary men. So, uh, absolutely, and I, th I think as well that, that if you were in a big corporation where there's pressure on cost and margins and and perhaps a lack of a longer term um, yeah. vision, it's harder to implement that kind of approach because you're accountable to perhaps shareholders rather than to mm -hmm. your family values. Yes, yeah, I would um, say so. Excellent. Uh, and you, you said you went off and, and did uh, the degree in business management. Um, yes. Yeah. How soon after that did you start to sort of implement the changes that have allowed you to, to take on the MD role? Was it during... During yeah. the distance learning, yeah. So this is quite this is quite iconic for for me as part as part of uh, the develop my development, my personal development, is that the way that the course was structured, because um, you were only allowed to enter um, as um, if you had a management position. Um, we were I was in a room as one of the youngest of three, um, and uh, everybody else was a lot older than me. They were uh, forty mid forties. I was uh, early. Uh, 20s so um, they they were all already established managers um, for years so the teaching that we were learning wasn't uh, just your, your normal textbook theoretical work where um, it's not exactly transferable um, in, in the uh, from the from the lecture theatre to an actual business uh -huh. um, we had a we had a completely different experience where we weren't spoon-fed um, and we were um, we were expected to implement as we learned, so um, that was part of all our modules was uh, to provide evidence that we had put into practice our teachings. Uh -huh. So um, it's all through the four years, I was implementing change throughout the business in line with what I was learning. Um, most predominantly, uh, the HR side of things, uh, everything that I'd learnt through uh, my HR modules uh, was implemented almost instantly. Okay. Uh, so that, and how did, that was a big change. And how was that um, received within the business? Um, there, without, uh, you know, there was, um, there was a lot of difficulty. Uh, uh, miscommunication, cross-communication, uh, just generally people being pissed off and annoyed that I'm trying to change things. Yeah. Uh, and not truly understanding the, 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 the end goal um, of what I was trying to achieve. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, it became very difficult. Um, there were simple things that were instant, instant relief or instant benefit to to the guys, which uh, obviously they were uh, more than willing to accept pay rises and holiday entitlements and uh -huh. things like that. And then when it became it came to more the more structured uh, uh, protocol for um, the sort of disciplinary procedures uh -huh. um, and things like that, they weren't uh, obviously accepting of that because it wasn't always in their favour. So. Mm. Um, it, their life up until that point was sort of self-run um, and they pretty much got to do what they liked. Um, right. So, and, and it's not to say that that was uh, necessarily an unproductive bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's not sustainable um, if you want to grow. So yeah. um, there needed to be uh, sort of boundaries and rules set in place to make sure that everybody was treated fairly and that they knew where they stood um, in the rankings uh, yeah. and that, you know, instead of a, 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 a situation where Dad and Grant could be questioned and disagreed with and disobeyed, uh, that wouldn't happen. So, uh -huh. um, so yeah, so I had to implement all these things and they didn't, they obviously didn't respond uh, well to that. They'd become uh, rather entitled. So, 
um, it took it's, it's taken up until the uh, it's still happening now. You know, right. I've got one. I've got one that's um, on a final written warning through the disciplinary procedure. Right. Uh, I've been to tribunal uh, for dismissing another, and I've had to pay off uh, pay off somebody else. So you know, um, there's been a lot of lot of uh, heartache uh, with the HR uh, changes, but mm. they have to be done. Russ, I mean, it's it's part and parcel of uh, of how the how the business works. It's, businesses doesn't survive without people so absolutely and we hear um sort of quite often that the phrase of uh, and i don't necessarily like the phrase but but it's very commonly used is professionalizing the business yeah, yeah. Um, which i guess it sounds a little bit as though it's you know putting in the procedures and, and processes that would be in mm-hmm. place within a non-family organization yeah that are sometimes lacking in in family businesses yeah um but but in hindsight if you could implement these changes again would you do anything differently because people are naturally suspicious of change yeah and and they either embrace it and get on with it or or generally tend to fight against it yeah i would um i would definitely do things differently i wouldn't um i wouldn't bear bear the burden on myself as i did um i would um expect a lot more from the staff that i was uh, implementing implementing the change for and mm-hmm. um, I would one hundred percent be a lot lot firmer and stricter um, with the initial uh, implementation. Uh, I think that I was too soft in the beginning, and then that led to uh, further eruptions later on. So mm-hmm. um, I think definitely that uh, you need to work in the best interest of the business um, at all times um, and the emotional. Uh, connections or relationships must be left at the door um, and it's hard it's really hard to do that I'm dealing with my brothers my ex-husband um, my surrogate brother my parents you know these are these are all people that are my family and my yeah. life but one thing that you learn very quickly is that leadership is a very lonely game so mm. um there isn't there isn't room for both, unfortunately, and there will be uh, at, at a time, but definitely not whilst you're trying to change. Uh-huh. Um, it's not it's just not uh, foreseeable. You as a leader will always see things differently from the operational, um, and it's not to say that you should dismiss what they have to say or, or yeah. uh, their ideas. It's just being aware that the reason that you're leading is because you're a leader, and the yeah. reason that they are not leading is because they are not a leader. So. Yeah. Uh, and you wrote a blog on um, LinkedIn uh, yeah. uh, about this as well, which we'll, we'll link up in the, the show notes if you're happy for us to, yeah, to do so. Yeah. Um, but but it, it talks about that um, transition from um, kind of being everyone's mate to, to being their leader yeah. and, and how difficult that as a transition yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess uh, that's potentially, again, not helped by the fact that you're working with family who who you've grown up with and um, you've matured through the business um, with yeah Um, but but also uh, uh, would it be fair to say because you're a a woman in a um, predominantly male dominated space but would that have affected things as well do you think it's never ever been something that has been used Um, I it's funny, Russ, because you would you would expect it to be the case, and I th- and I and I wonder about this a lot. And it's something that I've been very sheltered from uh, prejudice, uh, sexism, and mm-hmm. um, 
that type of mentality um, from a from an internal business perspective. I've been very sheltered. Um, none of the men have ever treated me uh, differently because I'm female. Uh, they, they never treated me any differently when I was in the workshop or out on site. I had, there was no allowances made. If anything, I was pushed harder. Um, as most in most cases, women are pushed harder to yeah. prove themselves. Much more hoops to jump through than than men, and um, the privilege there that lies uh, in a male-dominated industry. So mm -hmm. I haven't. I, I, I never experienced um, the gender um, the gender sort of um, discrimination. But I definitely uh, believe that there is. Um, not that it's ever been said, but I definitely believe that there is a there is a temptation for them to feel or think that I I, I myself I'm entitled uh -huh. um, being the, the boss's daughter. Yeah. Um, however, as you will well know, um, when dealing with family businesses, it's simply not the case. In yeah. fact, it's the entire opposite, and I see it with my uh, my two younger brothers. Um, uh, there's there's a safety barrier uh, provided for them in the opinion of, of the, the rest of the team who aren't a, a direct family, um, who, who believe that Dominic and Duncan have, you know, this safety net that um, they'll never fall through. Yeah. Um, and their jobs are always safe and it doesn't matter what they do and all the rest of it. Uh -huh. But again, it's, it's just simply not true. The, the scrutiny and the expectance of them to deliver no matter what is always there. Um, uh -huh. Duncan and Dominic uh, and myself are forever going that extra bit further than any any other staff member ever will, because at the end of the day, there's no denying it's our dad. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> so, and it, um, it's your name above the door as well in terms of um, the the reputation. Exactly. So, if in order to look after him and Grant, that's that's where our drive comes from. Uh -huh. and it's not to say that it doesn't come from the others. I, I do believe it does, but the their responsibility stops, um, but ours doesn't. So, uh -huh. yeah. Excellent. Cool. Um, now, obviously, your your dad uh, had the role of um, managing director. Yep. Um, prior to, to you, mm -hmm. um, how did you start that conversation of? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it's time for me to to take over. Oh yeah, it's so strange. Eh? Um, I was just doing a lot more, Ross. I was especially dealing with the staff. Um, the the tribunal in two thousand and four thirteen two thousand and thirteen was horrific mm -hmm. um, ordeal for for both uh, for for me, Dad, and Grant. Uh, trying to run our business in the, the height of season uh, whilst going through uh, uh, the, the legal battle of um, sacking an employee who'd behaved uh, with gross misconduct. So it was it was at that point, I reckon, that Dad and Grant realised that if I wasn't there, they would be completely and utterly, you know, scuppered. They would, uh -huh. they would be, they wouldn't know what to do. Um, and the, 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 the anticipation of being sued or... Um, you know the the process of tribunal was just was too much for them to comprehend. There's mm. there's a negligence that that an entitlement of an employee where the the tribunal will always favour them, um, right. and the employer is expected to be able to understand and comprehend the process. Whereas Dad and Grant are operational. Mm. They, you know, it's not it's not their forte. It wasn't mine's. 
uh, I had to, you know, learn it yeah. in order for us to, to get through with minimal damage. But, um, but yeah, so I think realistically, times like that and pulling the business back through the recession really, um, really proved my worth, I suppose. Um, I just took on, I just kept taking on more and more responsibility and kept making more and more changes and more and more improvements uh-huh. as a business manager, not as, um, not as the managing director. So when I said to them, I want um, to do this business degree and I want to uh, prove to, to the pair of you and uh, to myself that I'm capable of becoming uh, a director, uh-huh. um, it's going to take me four years and I'm going to need your help because I'm going to have to go uh, down to less hours. Um, the pair of them... Uh, said that they, they didn't need to do it. You know, you don't need to go and do this degree. You know, mm-hmm. that, um, if you want to be the managing director, then, we, you know, we can just work up to that. You don't have to do this and all the rest of it. But obviously I did. I had to do it for myself. Yeah. And um, I believe that realistically it, is, it has helped their mindset to believe in me also. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, I did, I did have a chat uh, and it was tied in with the degree and it was sort of made a bit sort of like process uh, line where I was like, right, it's going to cost this much. Um, I'm going to pay for this much. The work's going to pay for this much. Mm-hmm. And I come out at the other end, it will make me a managing director. Um, if I can prove to you over uh, six months and then 12 months and then 18 months. So now I'm into my, I've met everything that I've promised them, you know, so, um, so I'm completely, you know, I completely deserve the title. Um, and I've, uh, you know, I set, I set it clear in motion as to what I would do for them um, in return. Uh-huh. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry, the, the business has, uh, has strengthened uh, as a result of that. Um, which as you say it not that I don't think I don't think there was ever any doubt in their mind but it justifies the faith that they showed in you in in bringing you into the business that that you had this capability to to be able to run it and and not just run it but run it well yes um, and take that pressure off of them um, yeah because if they are more on the operational side I'm guessing they don't get a huge amount of enjoyment out of the um, uh, operational technical kind of paperwork stuff um, I think over the years, Grant has has got himself more involved, but definitely not Dad. I think there was a time at the start when when Dad was he was the one that was running the business, um, where he would he would maybe enjoy it more. But I think as the years gone gone on and the the batterings of business life have become reality. Mm-hmm. Um, He's had, he, he just had enough. And I think you know, I remember maybe ten, twelve years ago now. Um, and he and he really had enough. He wanted to walk. He wanted to to walk away from Gillis and Mackay. And, wow. Um, it was it was at that point there was just a little bit that never came back from from he never came back from it. So mm. um, and that was to do with staff again, of course. Right. <laughs> um, different staff, different different staff, same problems. Uh-huh. Um, and that was he was fed up managing children basically. Right. And, um, he'd, he'd had enough of it, so that's really came back out of that. Never really came back out of it when my um, when his parents died. So it was all all a sort of catalyst of the same roundabout time. So I don't I don't know if it like just shook his confidence or he just felt that he couldn't do it anymore. But he's never really shown an interest ever since. 
until now. <laughs> until I've until I said this is this is your place in the business now, Dad. <laughs> so you're going to have to take it. Um, so yeah. Um, so he's getting his mind mind round coming back to uh, to being a, a proper boss again. Uh-huh. Especially with the prospect of of a new of a new branch. So yeah, I mean, that's exciting for them because. It is disheartening when when you give it your all um, and people are still not bloody happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, And I think it's fair to say that you have um, raised the profile of of Gillies and Mackay in in your approach. And um, again, we'll we'll link this up in in the show notes, but you said a swear word on LinkedIn. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> that seemed to go viral. Yeah. Um, it, it resulted, I think, in you being banned from LinkedIn temporarily. That's right, yeah. Um, and, and then um, news interviews and, and various yeah. other um, things, which um, obviously I, I know you a little bit and I know that, that it's just your personality coming through within yeah. that, that marketing. Um, do, do you think that that would have been the same or achievable outside of your own business? Um, well, realistically, uh, looking at the, 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 what actually happened, um, LinkedIn was never, never a platform that um, I'd, I had much engagement with. If you look right back to the start, um, and I'd maybe written a couple of articles about something or nothing, or even just uh-huh. copied articles um, that I'd actually put on my own blog. I think there was one for the Content Marketing Academy and maybe one yep. for Mark Schaefer. And looking at them, there's like one like, uh, six views or something like that. And uh-huh. my network was very small. I never, I never had the app on my phone. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Like I just, I seen LinkedIn as a corporate uh, environment where I certainly didn't want to go and I probably wasn't welcome. So right. I never, I never sort of, and uh, sort of engaged with it at all. What had happened was we'd had a really, really bad winter uh, financially. Cash flow was horrific. And I was uh, upset. I had uh, really bad back pain, sciatica, and a ruptured lumbar. And I was in high pain killers. I was dealing with a marriage separation, children, Christmas, bad business. And I was done. Uh, uh-huh. I'd written a personal piece about uh, my breakup. And my ex-husband was uh, furious about, about this, um, about me having, you know, uh, voiced voiced my uh, my thoughts on how to separate from your marriage and not fuck up your children uh-huh. so he um, so he'd uh, we'd fallen out we'd had a big argument and I was oh, so I was just horrendous just horrendous mood of storm in my head I was furious and I was trying to think of a way to to get out of that that defunct and I was like I cannot be the only person that struggles with uh, balancing work and life. And I know that everybody has, um, you know, the, the perfect cure. There's plenty of you know, life coaches, gurus, yep. with, uh, consultants, all that out there telling you, this is how it's done and isn't it amazing and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it's not, it's a crock of piss. Yeah. And I was like, I was done with, with the pretense. And um, I think somebody had said something to me on uh, Instagram about, you know, my perfect life or something like that. And I was like, it's not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's, what, that's where it came from. And I said, where, where would this speak to the most people if I wrote a piece on exactly how my day works? Uh-huh. Um, and how can I make it so it's relative to me and my business? Uh-huh. 
So I sat there with a bottle of Prosecco and just wrote, wrote it in about 20, 30 minutes. And it was just a, a tirade rant of how my day starts and finishes and how much better it would be if I had my own home office. Uh-huh. And then, as you say, it just went absolutely mental. Um, it, was, uh, it was so weird because I'd had loads of uh, email notifications from my junk email, which is like my hotmail. It's like uh-huh. Parazan is DOS at hotmail.com, like the one that you make when you're about 12. Yeah. <laughs> and it's where all the junk goes. And I had like loads and loads of notifications coming up on my phone for that email box. And I was like, what the hell's all this? And it's all linked in. I didn't even have the app on my phone, Russ. I was like, this is like three o'clock in the morning. Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I went on, installed the app. And then there was like something ridiculous, like 376 notifications. And I was like, what? And then, then I was like, woke up, Chris, and I was like, look what's, going, look what's happening. <laughs> and it just, it, it just completely erupted. Uh, into this this mad world and it wouldn't it wouldn't have uh, done so if it was done on Facebook or or anywhere else it was because it it was just a perfect storm mix because it was on LinkedIn and because it was in front of people that I had completely underestimated uh, and under anticipated exactly what was what it was going to cause and the time Mm. that I did it was midnight which meant the US got it first okay and they uh, as you as you know are mental crazy so they're like <laughs> they they're all over it um, for for black and white reasons you know ones that are like staunch like this is this is life this is how it is she's got this nailed it in one yeah. so others are like I can't believe she's swore on LinkedIn she'd be stoned to death this is a disgrace <laughs> um, so you know the the two two sides of the coin and they were just battling it out between themselves and I think as well that the, the, the article was very honest. It, it wasn't contrived. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to use a swear word because that's going to get yeah. um, publicity. It, it was capturing um, the essence of the the article. Um, yeah. And it was, was very real. So I think it, it made a few people uncomfortable because there was a swear word on LinkedIn. But you mm-hmm. know, we all swear, uh, most yeah. of us anyway. Um, and it was just, just very honest. And had it been... Um, a contrived act. I know what I'll do. I'll just swear. It, I think that would have been obvious. Yeah, it is very obvious. You, I mean, there's plenty of people that try it, try to do yeah. it. Um, and uh, <coughs> shoehorn shoe a swear, swear, swear word in. Where yeah. It's just, it's, you know, like, especially um, for me, because as, as an advantage now, as it was a disadvantage when I was me, but being dyslexic, you read the spo- in the spoken term. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how you uh, interpret, interpret a written word yeah. uh, as, uh, as a left-sided brain user. That's how I transcribe. So I can identify when somebody in, in the written word is uh, forcing um, forcing a, a certain uh, way, like whether it's swearing or just even just a general personality trying to force that across, it doesn't work. Um, so, and to yeah. put it into some some context, can can you just give us the the number? I mean, you said you had about six reads and one like on your <laughs> previous articles. Yeah. So, how does that um, compare to this one? Yeah. So, um, what basically the the art the the actual article itself. Um, is something like um, half a million uh, views, um, a quarter of a million likes, 
<laughs> and uh, 10,000 comments. Yeah. Um, the article that then came after that, uh, which was an explanation as to why, uh, joining the conversation about swearing on LinkedIn, uh-huh. um, actually um, actually had more than that. Just, uh, um, it was something like three and a half, uh, 350,000 uh, likes and over 12,000 comments and over half a million views. So the, the, the two articles themselves um, that sort of go hand in hand, um, yeah, so, so their figures are, are, are crazy. And, yeah. it, and it's not to say that, it, you know, it does have an effect on everything that I do on LinkedIn now. So um, it's easier now, I think, uh, than it was maybe six months ago. Uh, I'd say maybe six months ago, anything that I did on LinkedIn then just became mm. a, an absolute chore of um, of uh, sort of engagement. So um, everything that I did, just you know, everybody would just jump on it, yeah, uh, regardless of what it was, um, and it became very difficult to manage. So then I just didn't bother putting anything on LinkedIn. Right. Um, for example, I think it was in May this year. Um, I had a rant about to people asking for discounts uh-huh. and then that uh, was something that got put in the press as well um, and that was something um, that was talked about at length um, so I was in the Daily Mail or whatever uh-huh. a large a large piece about um, you know my, my take on discounts yeah. which I didn't like so yeah so that so that's what I mean like anything that I was doing Ross was just turning into just this you know, the same tirade of, uh, of uh, oh, that's that cara, swearing yeah. again or whatever. <laughs> I, I kind of got to the point where I was just like, well, I, it's not really what I want to be known as, you mm. know. Um, okay, I swear it's part of my personality and all the rest of it, but it's definitely not, you know, my, my claim to fame, um, you know, as a, um, as a businesswoman or as a mother or whatever I want mm. to be. Um, it's not... It's not that important. It's not. No. It was never about the swearing, as you say. It's an honest. It's an honest piece mm. from a written from a stressed out, uh, uh, you know, director and mother, yeah. uh, and that was it. That was and, and I think it's it's something a lot of people can relate to and, and can identify with as, as well. Yeah. Which th- those that perhaps can't are those that go, "Oh, how dare she say a swear word." Yeah. Whereas those that are there thinking, yeah, I know exactly what, what that feels yeah. like and um, can, can relate. But but one thing I am interested in is it, it, the, the following day when you went into work, how, how yeah. did you sort of raise, raise that? So I've, I've well, got, a bit, got a bit viral. Yeah, uh, Dad and Gran, yeah, they just let me do whatever I want, Ross. Right. Um, they, um, they know my intentions are good and yeah. they know they know that I know what I'm doing well more than what <laughs> what they know so um, dad's not computer or anything um, he doesn't even have a mobile phone you know uh-huh. so um, he he's he knows he's aware of it he, he, he knows how to do his um, his home brew kit order and uh-huh. uh, how, to, <laughs> how to use gumtree and that's 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 him he's happy um, and uh, and they're not, you know, they're not got, they're not, they're not on social media. They're, you know, Grant's got a Facebook that he doesn't know how to log into, and uh-huh. that's that's pretty much them too. So that type of world isn't, you know, doesn't bother them. When I'm in the newspaper, uh, you know, I'm in uh, I'm in the Courier for saying uh, fuck on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, Dad, uh, Dad thought that was hilarious. He thought that was brilliant. Right. I've got to, I've got to get my my sense of humour from somewhere, you know. Yeah. So. 
uh, we're very similar, me and my dad. So he he thought that was excellent. I was good ruffling ruffling professionals' feathers. Yeah. Um, and so uh, and the Courier were on my side, which was uh, you know which was great. And mm. so was the Daily Mail when when I did the, the discount thing as well. So it was uh, yeah so. Excellent. It was all positive. It was yeah, all in all. I mean, you had to yeah. deal with, with some um, trolling on, on LinkedIn, yeah. but, but overall it was um, a, a positive view of, of the business. And of course. Gosh, it yeah. projects your, I mean, you as you say, your personality. Yeah, of course. And uh, customers know. and they, uh, But my personality is on the website, my personality is yeah. on the Facebook, my personality is all over our brand. I am Gillis and Mackay, so... Uh-huh. When uh, when customers come to us and they, they I mean they honestly cannot believe our website. They think it's you know the most amazing thing they've ever seen in their life. Uh-huh. I'm in construction. I'm not only in construction. I make sheds. But other companies that make sheds don't even know the internet exists. Uh-huh. So I have no competition where that where that comes from. So when people are trying to find a reputable business to buy a shed from online. Um, and they trawl through the shitty pages that they get. That's like you know a standalone landing page yeah. made in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> compared to you know, compared to what I've got, you know, yeah. you know, we are the pinnacle. And it, my my personality for Gillis Mackay, uh, you know, is is exactly what it should be mm. um, because it's me. And there's no there's no other way around it. I'm not going to kick my pan and making sheds day in day out to pretend to be somebody else. You know, um, that's that's the whole reason. Absolutely. The whole, and I, I, yeah, I said I would stay on and be the managing director was if I could do it my my way, and that's just the way it is. And I think that's something that um, other family businesses can can learn from as well. Is if if they're not um, present in uh, in an online space, irrespective of of what. Um, professional trade they're in mm-hmm. um, that, that's where a lot of people go to make their buying decisions mm-hmm. um, and, and again you've proven uh, again we'll put a, a link in the show notes to your website but your yeah. website's fantastic that there's a, a yeah. huge amount of information on there that, that people want, who want to know anything about sheds can go on and find that out that's right yeah yeah. Excellent. Um, so you've mentioned that uh, again I think this is on your site is, is um, your job is to make Gillies and Mackay future proof yeah. Um, what steps have you taken and, and how far ahead are you thinking in that? Okay, so the vision um, of where I had it. So when I, when I um, finished university and I said, right, this is what I'm going to do. What I, what I said was that I would have Gillis Mackay in a position where we were profitable for six months of the year. Um, for 12 months of the year, sorry. And up until that point, we've only ever been profitable for six. Right. So... That was my first ambition, was to make sure that our company made enough money in order for us to be profitable for 12 months of the year. Uh-huh. The next thing was is to make sure that Dad and Grant were set up for life. So they no longer had to work in their operational roles and they were still going to be cared for by Gillis Mackay. They were still going to receive their income from Gillis and Mackay, whether they wanted to play a part within the business or take full-on retirement and go to a sleeping partner. That's, that was entirely up to them. The business had to provide for them. Um, they'd given their 30 years, they've kicked their pan in day in, day out, and that's, that's it done. Okay, so from, from three years ago, that, that, was, that was where I wanted the business to be. 
And now in order to do that, obviously I had to make huge changes, uh, fundamental ones to the HRs, which we were talking about before. Yeah. That's how I manage people and staff and uh, implementing the change processes that are directly related to them. And then obviously on the other side um, of a business, and this is why I always say is people and money, uh-huh. and, uh, the other side was the financials and um, ensuring that what we were doing was actually making us money. Now, being a bespoke timber building company, um, our products were ranging from little rabbit hutches way up to 90 grand houses. Uh-huh. So I had to scale that way in. That was that was ridiculous, a uh, broad range of the of uh, products. So uh, scaling that right back was was a first poor call and got rid of all animal housing that wasn't making us money, uh, all small buildings that weren't making us money and focused entirely uh, on summer houses and kept uh, the sheds as our bread and butter uh, mm-hmm. background, sort of propping us up. Um, summer houses, uh, the, the focus on them escalated rapidly um, from uh, how much money they were then making uh, on comparison, uh, doubling our revenue for summer houses over the course of three years. Wow. Then, then the larger products, uh, which are the, the cabins and the uh, garden rooms and the outdoor offices, uh, and then the garages. So um, relating back to let's make the best sheds in the world, uh-huh. the garages were becoming problematic with uh, water ingress and leaking. So I came up with a new specification, which means that the wall was made in three parts, meaning that there was no penetration from uh, from the water uh, rain outside at all. Okay. Um, then made our uh, garages revolutionary. They uh-huh. became the non-leaking garage, which is completely unheard of um, in the construction industry. It's impossible to guarantee any outbuilding against leaks. Uh-huh. But we could, with this... Uh, with this uh, construction this then made their garages three times the market value so we were originally charging you know um sort of three grand for a garage we're now charging eleven thousand pounds garage so um nobody else is charging eleven thousand pounds they'll charge between sort of three and five Um, but we are selling selling our garages like hotcakes because they do what the customer wants which Uh is you know the sort of end goal. So there was the product range sorted out, uh, the financials sorted out in line with what what we were actually making them making money on, um, and then the financial forecasting, the budgeting, the targets, uh, all equating to one point three million of which I will get in in this this year. Finally, uh, it was nine hundred fifty thousand last year uh-huh. on. 750,000 the year before on 700,000 the year before that. So 1.3 million coming right up in uh, April with um, a 40% reduction on output. Uh So we produce 40% less uh, and we make 60% more. So fantastic. uh, there's a huge shift there. Um, and then that means that A, Gills Mackay is profitable for 12 months of the year. B, Dad and Grant are earning triple that they, than what they were last year. And it means uh-huh. that their opera- operational roles are fulfilled and they can employ somebody to take over from them. And they can go and sit on their bum and still earn. Yeah. Um, and that's we done. That's the vision complete. Brilliant. The model, the business model works. Uh, this is how it operates. We can't go any bigger and we can't go any smaller. 
uh-huh. um, to, to achieve that goal. Um, if you want to go bigger, you have to go three times as big. You can't just go double big, otherwise uh-huh. something doesn't work. So that's where the business is positioned. And that is where, Ross, it's going to stay. Um, uh-huh. I try to implement expansion uh, of uh, on a triple scale and take the business south of the border and open Gillis McKay's there. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, that didn't happen because um, I couldn't get my staff on board with that vision. Right, okay. Um, I was met with conflict of a, an enormous scale uh-huh. um, and it, it couldn't, I couldn't go ahead with it because in order to do it, I would need those staff to train new staff and I would need the information from them to do that. And being met with a constant resistance meant it was too hard. I still had a business yeah. to run, I still had a family to raise and it became this mammoth weight of chain around my neck where we weren't getting anywhere. So I, I said, that's fine. You don't want to do that. That's that's your choice. Mm-hmm. You've made that choice. I've given you the ultimatums. So this is where we're at now. So I've made my promise true, but that also means that I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. So, so Gillis McKay is exactly where it should be. And um, I suspect that both my brothers, Dominic and Duncan, will be the ones that move up the succession ladder from here on out. Mm-hmm. I'm implementing that next year. So uh, we're doing a bit of swap around um, on roles, um, uh, seeing who steps up to the mark, who, you know, we've got a couple of supervisors now. I've delegated the sort of people management down the line um, to, well, actually, you know what? It gives them a brilliant understanding of what they've put me through for the past two yeah. years. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's happening. And then the, the, the organisation is getting a restructure to accommodate the dad and grant not being there. Okay. Um, so that's happening next year. And I think once, realistically, once Duncan and Dominic are in management roles, there's no need for me to be then, to be in Gillis and Mackay. I've done okay. all I can do. As a, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business, business development-minded woman, mm-hmm. um, once I've fulfilled the vision um, that's me. I, I'm now bored. So, um, in order for me to go to go forward, I need to have something else, and that something else is Natty Shed Life. Uh-huh. That's um, that's the the sideline business of which I've been working on myself, and with the help of Dad and Grant, we're going to open a new business, uh-huh. um, a new workshop um, that will concentrate solely on the bread, which is the garden office uh, for working from home. Okay. We'll go to We'll go to market with that. That will then become the sellable company. Gillis McKay can never be sold. It's a legacy. It's a family business. Uh-huh. We want to see generations upon generations coming through that company. Uh-huh. Whereas that shed life definitely can be sold, and we're going to make it so it is sellable within five years, and Fantastic. then that will be mine, Dad, and Grant's retirement. Wow. So, so that is that is the future-proof vision of Gilson McKay. And, and uh, I'm conscious of, of your time, but but how how long did it take for you to come up with that vision? Because we're very often hearing that succession is not something that, that's top of uh, the agenda, and to have that kind of vision um, is. Um, quite rare, I would say, uh, especially it being that specific. Yeah, um, open conversation, Russ, and it needs to be all sung from the same sheet. Mm-hmm. So, 
my vision for Dad and Grant um, wasn't necessarily their vision for themselves. Right. Um, uh, say, what, three, four years ago when I was starting to sort of make sense of all of this. Um, my vision, um, they, their vision of themselves was work until they die. Right. Um, and that's they just resigned themselves to that. That's what they're going to have to do. Business is hard. Life is hard. Just need to get on with it and get up and shut up. Um, my dad uh, suffers MS and um, he um, has uh, physical, physical um, incapabilities with his, uh, with his leg. Right. Uh, and he, can, he continues to do the work of two 20-year-old men. Uh-huh. Um, on the saw um, starts at five o'clock in the morning and gets home at five o'clock at night Wow! Um, and that is he has gotten for punishment that is his, his own doing I have given him uh, an a, apprentice labourer I've given him an apprentice joiner I have given him uh, a, an experienced joiner and uh-huh. he still continues to do that workload <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it is it's not it's not a straightforward process and yeah. Uh, what what I've told you as a as a vision uh, for the future and um, future proofing the company isn't something that isn't going to have um, sort of difficulties along the way or changes along the way. It definitely is. Yeah. But what we are all agreeing on is that this is the best plan that we have, <laughs> and uh, that's the one that we're going to push on with. Uh, we all agree that um, out of everybody in Gillis Mackay over the whole. 30 years I am the only one that's ever been qualified to do this job uh-huh. so I effectively have the final say right. and if I'm doing it in the best interest of dad and Grant and doing it in the best interest of the business in which they both truly believe and believe in me then it's in their best interest to listen so yeah. uh, and they know that um, they're not stupid men they're very clever and mm-hmm. they understand that I will do what's right by them always. So um, it might not feel that like they deserve it in their own little minds, you know, how how we all do, you know, when somebody's being nice to us. Yeah. Um, but they do. Uh, and I just get them to recognise and appreciate how much work that they put in uh-huh. to the company and accept that they will reap the benefits um, and they, I think it was the, maybe beginning of this year when I when I was like, right, we need to go and give these guys an ultimatum. They either follow me or we shut the doors, we sell the company and they all go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point, that was when Dad and Grant really sort of vocalised that they, that they felt really good about me being in charge and that they believed that their future could be different from what they thought. They thought that they were going to have to work until they died. Yeah. Um, and now now they can see a different future where they don't and they might get to actually enjoy life a bit more mm. and uh, do things that, they, that they've always wanted to do but haven't been able to. So that yeah. freedom to, to live their life the way that they want to is something that's completely priceless. Absolutely. Um, and that's what I we do. As a, uh, that's what we do as a day job is to try yeah. and try and help people to, to do that. And again, not not very often is it um, something that people realise they can they can have. Yeah, exactly. They expect to be punished. They expect life to be hard. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't need to be that way. No, absolutely. Um, j- just before we um, sort of bring things to to a close, I, I wondered whether there was um, one tip that you would give to other family businesses that, um, that could help them to, to thrive in the way that 
um, Gillies and Mackay has over the last uh, few years. Yeah, I read this last night and I was trying to think of something. It's a difficult one, just one tip. Um, it's actually not difficult. It's uh, the one that I got told, um, and this is proper soppy because it's Chris that said it to me, but it was uh-huh. years ago in 2015 when I walked into the content marketing masterclass in Dundee. It was a six-month program. And I sat there and... Um, he said something like, uh, I said something like to Chris, I'm not going to be making sheds for the rest of my life. You know, that's, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to do a job and get it done and then get out when, uh-huh. when time's right. And Chris is like, well, you're never going to make a success of this business if you don't believe in it. Like right. you have to believe in what you do in order for you to be able to do anything better than anybody else. Uh-huh. You know, if you're talking about competitors or, generally just co-workers or anything in life, if you don't believe in it, then you're never going to be the best at it. If you want to be the best version of yourself and you have to, you have to believe in, in what, it, what it is that you do. And it sounds corny as hell, but I mean it. Like if you, if you don't actually feel the need and the desire to make this a success of your family business, if it doesn't burn your passion and you, you don't have that drive for it to be your, your, your be all and end all, then get out, just yeah. give it to somebody else, move on. Your little brother's probably interested, you know, just step aside because it's not for you. And yeah. you have to 100% believe in what you're doing. I 100% believe that we make the best sheds in the world because as I said at the start, they are a, a true representation of my dad and Grant. So that's it. Fantastic. That, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, no uh, where can our audience find out more about you? Just, um, they can go on to Gillis and Mackay, but obviously connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no more, because uh, that's obviously the place to be. But yeah, LinkedIn, I, I do try and, I do try and uh, make an effort on LinkedIn nowadays. I am very appreciative of the people that have supported me through uh through the whole sweary gate at the beginning of the year so um so yeah i do make an effort feel free to add me there brilliant and uh, again we'll link everything up in the show notes and um you can expect to be inundated with uh hundreds of thousands of more requests on linkedin now <laughs> yeah <laughs> excellent okay Russ. great thank you cara thanks for your time and uh, i'll catch up soon yeah thank you thank you very much That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fanbizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.